Today is February 27th, 2022. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Nagana Go, Mekoche, Stokom Aki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Kanai, and Bogani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stony Nations, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honour the Blackfoot and the members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis. This is Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and Post status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Nose Dene. My father is so Canadian. I have a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act and Post status card. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the hair people, like, um, like a rabbit, uh, for folks who may get that mixed up with, um, you know, hair from the top of your head. So uh, I'm from the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Clincho, Tine, Indahe, and Satu Dene, many, many horse town, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space for Indigenous as well as honoring the host as a guest and honoring your and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner, which is pretty critical for understanding, considering what's happening with Ukraine and Russia, um, understanding the land and the history of it. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all the Indigenous. I just share what I know as I walk down my red road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to previous donors for showing your support. I wish you knew how you saved our butt. Um, if you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. Also giving a review helps whichever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. You can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and can post on social media. Um, also, I do teachings. So if you are somebody interested in picking my brain, it's a great place to go to, to, uh, you know, check it out. So last time I said, oh, this podcast is going to be historic because of the Emergencies Act that was invoked. Well, this one is too. Last week, we discussed the honking convoys that made its way to Ottawa for three weeks. The feds, province, and cities all played politics instead of actually doing something. So uh, the borders in the three parts of Coots, Alberta, Manitoba, and Windsor, Ontario were locked up, and the Emergency Act from, 18, or from 1988 was invoked. Um, all of that seemed to be pretty wrapped up this week. Um, unfortunately for us, 
that's not the case. The Westerners who ignore what's happening out in the West, obviously, um, they don't realize that these yahoos will just continue doing these stupid shenanigans here. Um, yesterday, there was a group of Calgarians that uh, chose to try to do a counter protest. Like, you have to understand, we had these stupid yellow vesters that morphed into this, you know, anti-vax convoy folks, but I mean, ultimately, they're all rooted in conspiracy and hate. And um, anyway, that continues here every freaking weekend, and it's annoying as hell. And um, our area just south of uh, the downtown on the on the west side is called Beltline. And it actually has a lot of historical reverence for the LGBTQ2 plus community. It was called the Fruit Loop. Uh, another show, another day. But that bigger picture, that um, that area has a ton of people that live in apartment buildings and such. And this is the area that these yellow vesters and uh, you know honking convoy morons have decided they're going to march for their freedoms. And they've been doing it every Saturday. So anyway. Um, there was a group of counter protesters for one of the first times and a smoke bomb went off, of course, and to the surprise of absolutely nobody, the police did nothing. So, you know, it's been so obvious the last three weeks, I'm sure you understood from the show, how that's all rooted in white supremacy and racism. And, um, you know, here, lucky lucky you folks out in ottawa don't get to hear it now but we continue to get to hear these uh yahoos is the best way to say it um so moving on the hypocrisy of conservatives and jason kenny um all of these half craptastic health man mandates are going to be lifted on tuesday here uh you know anyone with knowledge of data knows that these half-assed measures that are going to be lifted they're just political employees. Um, we're going to see a huge rate in COVID-19 and deaths continue now because of this political decision made by basically ignorant yahoos who actually believe we have mandates. Nobody is going to somebody's house and forcing a vaccine in their arm. That has never happened. So it's just the worst to hear you know, this misinformation and being said on behalf of Albertans, but our premier proud to, you know, placate to white supremacy and any conspiracy that could possibly hate Jason or uh, Justin Trudeau, which I, I have no respect for in any way. Anyway, so we um, you're going to be happy to learn that if you are in Alberta, there will be a reduction in your chewing tobacco taxes. So all the yahoos of Alberta who use their chewing tobacco are going to have pay less taxes, which is really ironic because if there was anyone who claims personal responsibility and freedoms and, you know, taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for that. Well, isn't this the one thing you all would agree on? You're supposed to be paying freaking taxes on so that the rest of us don't pay the taxes for your disgusting, dirty habit. Just wondering, just wondering. And, you know, normally uh, as a person who cares about harm reduction, I would like to not use that type of language when talking about an addiction, but only because this was literally created for the small privileged segment of white yahoos that love Jason Kenney and he's placating to them. Do I have a problem with it? Because 
this is disgusting. Where on planet Earth are you going to find data that says, yeah, we can reduce taxes on chewing tobacco, because that is clearly not a problem, especially in a, in a global pandemic, which we're just going to ignore because we are so entitled and privileged we can. Ugh. So anyway, at least the UCP base will be happy that their taxes for chewing tobacco are going down. Um, so they, they put out their budget. And of course, it's fantastic because fossil fuel capitalists have been making money hand over fist at the expense of, and, you know, obviously the sovereignty of indigenous people, but uh, the also the, you know, profits over people, um, lack of taxes that they pay for municipal and all the rest of it. Yeah, there's such greedy capitalist pigs. I just cannot wrap my brain around how everybody placates to them. Literally, we are we are going to be paying more. Well, we right now in Alberta, Albertans are paying so much for their energy, like so their natural gas, power, everything. It's just astronomical. This is literally going to put people on the streets because Rachel not we had a a cap on our energy and uh kenny the first thing he did was take it off and because the prices are so ridiculous right now because capitalist pigs have to make so much profit we're all paying the price in our energy costs and bills out here so that's legitimately like a, a thing so anyway whatever um richard feehan is the ndp critic for um the indigenous affairs and like he tweeted out, there was absolutely nothing for First Nation, Métis, and Inuit, as well as Métis settlements. So, you know, here we are again, no reconciliation, no um, concept of investment into economics. I mean, it, it's interesting because a lot of folks, um, I, as I was learning, they still think they're progressive, but consider Indian Act chiefs and hereditary chiefs not agreeing somehow, oh, well, the, you know, I don't know who to believe. That is racism. That is your anti-Indigenous racism speaking loud and clear for us all to hear that you cannot cons like put together this concept. So let me put it together because clearly you understand Ukraine and Russia very well. So imagine Indigenous people are Ukrainians and we sovereignly live on this place and Russia, I, you, Canada, have come in and decided, oh, no, we're just taking over. Oh, cool. So this is happening. Uh, Russia decides, oh, we're going to just impose something called the Indian Act, and uh, we expect you to follow it, otherwise you go to jail. But your actual governance, the Ukrainian governance that you once had, or aka traditional governance, yeah, we're not going to listen to that. And then when the BBC reports it and they say, well, I don't know, the leaders that were elected under the Indian Act through Russia don't agree with the traditional governance of Ukrainians. Well, I guess we can't possibly comprehend this because even though we're Harvard educated, we just can't put our brains around this. That's what you sound like to me. As Canadians, that's what you sound like to me. You sound like absolute ignorant buffoons. And especially when you claim that you're progressive and that you're helping First Nations. So let's, let's break that down a little more. Um, traditional governance is allowing us to be ourselves. I don't know why this is such a difficult conversation, such a difficult con like concept for folks. We had governance before you invaded, you know, imposed genocide through disease, uh, governance, 
land theft, um, genocide through the health, genocide through Indian residential school, the brutal, brutal campaign with your Northwest Mounted Police, RCMP, and now city police that kill our people every single day, and now the toxic you know, drug crisis that you guys seem to be a-okay with killing Indigenous survivors of residential school with. So, you know, like, I can't, I can't put it together quicker, uh, or not quicker, in, in, a, in a better way. And just quit calling yourself progressive. Quit saying you care about the First Nations. Just quit, because you don't. If you can't wrap your head around these simple concepts, you literally have zero business trying to help us, zero, because your anti-Indigenous bias is way too strong to be helping us. So, you know, just look at the people who are helping us, Bear Clan, Awutan Healing Lodge here, up north, they have tons of Poundmaker Lodge, all sorts of organizations that are actually helping Indigenous people because ding, 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 they're Indigenous people. So quit pretending that you care. Um, you know, there, there's, a, I don't know, about three white males, mostly from Edmonton, that are legitimately just um, profiting off of their activism. And I'm like, thanks a lot, dudes. <laughs> you know, um, I'm barely making ends meet. I can't survive. I have, like, information to give people. <laughs> they are not paying me to teach them nothing. So whatever, and I don't know how to even put this together anymore. It is very clear, not just from the convoy, not just from everything else, but even right now with the Ukrainian-Russian issue, the pearl clutching coming from Canada. Oh my God, white people are gonna be hurt. Oh no, like your racism is so painfully clear because Lots of folks all across the globe right now by Canada are being bombed, being hurt, refugees, displaced, but they're not white. So suddenly they don't care. That's the problem. I, I just can't even wrap my brain around how daft Canadians are that they can only see color. Like, And I'm going to call out uh, anonymous. They claim they're trying to help the Ukraines. They claim. I don't know. I think they're just full of shit personally but there here's an example where they had ample time to help with black lives matter like actual human rights rights abuses when it comes to like police brutality etc cetera, etc cetera, and they chose not to but now that it's white people the ukrainians they're all about this and like i hate to say it both on the russian side and the ukrainians like there are deep white supremacy ties in both both thinking they are the best race, which is insane. And I know Canadians will be all upset that we've heard pearl clutching. I can't believe she said that. But there are people like that in our Canadian military, our police, and somehow they're blind to that too. So, you know, that's just the reality of watching this play out. Now, I want to make it very clear, like, obviously, I support Ukraine, just as I support in like any Indigenous land defender anywhere. And I can't believe you have to say that, but there's no reason why you can't, you know, support obviously the Ukraines, but while calling out the racism, that's so painfully clear, like black people, brown people being turned away, but they are Ukrainian, but they're not the right kind of Ukrainian for some people's heads. So it's like, unless you're white, then you get a free pass. That's not okay. So I don't know. I really wish Canadians would unpack their 
sentiments about all of this, but I know they won't. I know this is a pointless conversation. So anyway, I finally blocked Paul Brandt this week on Twitter. I was really sad about it because, you know, and I had this conversation with somebody who was excited that Wayne Gretzky called out um, the Canada hockey from saying, okay, look, we can't have Russians play in the, you know, juniors coming up or whatever else they've rescheduled. And, um, you know, it, you have to mourn these people. You know, when Wayne Gretzky stood on the side of Harper after all of the anti-Indigenous policies he's put through, we as a family had to mourn the great one. Um, you know, when he retired in 99, we got rid of his hat. We got, we got rid of everything. And like the male toxicity of hockey was bad enough and politics and hockey was bad enough. But then to see, you know, Wayne Gretzky like publicly support Stephen Harper, I, we couldn't do it. We couldn't even have things that reminded us of the 80s like that legacy that it, it doesn't matter and it's the same thing with Darren Flurry be a Flames fan all I want but at the end of the day I can't be anymore because he's gone down a path that I cannot follow uh to I guess quote Queen Amidala <laughs> uh, sorry everything's Star Wars for me um yeah so anyway Paul Brandt uh you know supposed to care about human trafficking and he does in Cambodia but when it comes to here like he has he started this organization called not in my city but you know I, I tried to work with him I had hope that we could um get him to have an anti you know racism lens but he is not there and then after the shit he pulled with convoy and supporting with helicopters and supplies I just I will never respect that man and it sucks because it's like, you know, I have so very few heroes to look at and they're not worth it. Maybe Katie Lang is, that's about it. So I'm just sad it was another person you had to let go. Um, I wanted to give uh, an update an update on uh, last week's uh, tie-in about all of this. So at the time of recording, we knew that a black man was killed in Forest Lawn here by the Calgary police. And we have since learned his name, LaShore Tool, and he was 41. He was a child soldier from the South Sudan. Um, it was at almost at the exact time I was recording, uh, the South Sudanese community was out where he was killed and mourning, understandably. Um, since then, his daughters have come out on like social media and there was a GoFundMe. I'm gonna put the link in my um, information. It's, you know, you have to understand how the goal has been surpassed you're gonna, we're talking about a needed cost forever, um, not just the funeral costs and travel right now, um, you know, the costs to grieve, but there's gonna be court costs now. And because this father is gone, that income will always be gone. So if you can donate it, if you could share, you know, these needs will be forever. And um, it, I think there needs to be an understanding 15 years ago, um, there was a lot of killings of South Sudanese by the Calgary police. And I'll never forget this cop looking me at the eye and saying, oh, but you have to understand, Michelle, these were child soldiers, so they're not afraid of guns. And I'm like, like that has always resonated with me as if, you know, that has, that's their weapon. They, they, so the police see 
when they show their guns as something that people should just automatically, you know, be um, afraid of and, and do what you have to say. I, I, I just will never, like that was kind of the start of why I understood we needed de-escalation and we needed to defund the police because they were getting tanks. Now <laughs> we just found out that they have a plane that they have to upgrade. It's so ridiculous. I can't even believe it. So our Calgary police chief, Mark Neufeld, was quoted. Certainly, I think we are well positioned with our diversity advisory boards and the work we do with community. He told the commission uh, after they were he was getting grilled at, at a commission meeting. In our anti-racism committee, I think we have the mechanisms there to be able to get that cultural se sensitivity and incorporate those pieces into our training. But again, these situations I would suggest are far from perfect. They are very dynamic when they occur, blah, blah, blah. So I can't stress enough that you can have diversity advisory boards. I'm in them, but we advocate for systemic changes that aren't implemented. Like that's that's the whole thing. Like I remember when Chafin was in, like we weren't even like all of our recommendations were ignored then too. So like, it, it's just, an, it's insane to me that you would use these uh, diversity advisory boards as like, uh, oh no, see, we're doing something when it's like, no, well, you would literally tell you, you know, in my case, implement the 231 calls to justice, implement the 94 calls to action, and they don't. And like, you know, call to action 57 is anti-racism training and in indigenous education. So, obviously that's not implemented if we're still shooting and killing child soldiers like I, I just want everyone to stop and imagine so i'm 45 um lashore he was 41 so we're like the same demographic in age and he or same demographic boy did i say that wrong so we're the same age group sorry um so he uh he survives a war he was a child soldier he was forced to leave his family a gun thrown in his hand and he was forced to participate in unethical unmoral um the things as a child somehow gets to canada and gets shot and killed by our calgary police i don't know how people sleep at night um you know friday there was a large vigil and a, uh uh I, I guess it was a protest in front of city hall and you know trust is broken was the message that came from the south sudanese community to the police you know again pointing out obvious oppression dynamics of the city and the calgary police expect all of this for free the community to give them they gave them solutions 15 years ago now they are expecting this marginalized group while grieving while traumatized while hurt without cultural supports to just give them more free information and free help. Like, I, I can't understand how people don't see the oppression dynamics. White, cis, straight, privileged, city of Calgary, city police folks getting paid to sit on their high horses, child soldier, refugees trying to live with trauma, all sorts of mental health issues, trying to just survive in a new Canadian culture, which it, in itself is rooted in white su supremacy, therefore hard to transition into. 
mourning the loss of their brothers and sisters from back there, now here, and for free, we're supposed to just give them, but they did give them free information 15 years ago that they chose not to implement, shocking. So needless to say, I'm really pissed off. I'm, I, I feel like it is absolutely unfair power dynamics that the city and the police are expecting of this community again. You know, um, the UCP budget came out, <laughs> sure as fuck isn't any mental health supports, um, and especially culturally sensitive ones. Like, you know, last episode, I talked about uh, Dahlia Caffey, the Black woman that was brutally attacked by Calgary police officer Alex Dunn. Would she still be around if the work that the South Sudanese community did 15 years ago you know, the TRC has been out since 2015. You know, these solutions were given to them. The Indigenous community gave them to them. And yet, would she be here had they done had they done any of that work? You know, regular Canadians, tell your leaders to act or you're complicit. Is it like, this is crazy because in, in the Ukraine, if you if you stand to be neutral, then obviously you're on the side of the oppressors, you're on the side of the Russians. And, and Canadians can understand that concept like that, but when it comes to black people, when it comes to indigenous people, they just can't seem to wrap their head around it. Bullshit, you're just racist and you need to get over it. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. There is no way this man should be dead. None. They were talking about this over 15 years ago. I'm so tired of this. I'm so, tired of people just being okay with black and indigenous bodies dying i'm so tired of it you wonder why we can't trust you guys right because your white savior activists are helping us but not talking about this shit so anyway you know and this conversation about culturally sensitive trauma services trauma surf services and mental health supports like training for public servants None of this is even included, including the deaths by toxic drug crisis. So Wednesday we had our event, it went forward. It was a little chilly. Um, we had amazing speakers to keep us warm. Uh, they told us a heartbreaking, heart-wrenching personal stories about not knowing about the resources that were available till it was too late. Um, I don't know if folks not outside of Alberta understand this, but. Like when we talk about Alberta being conservative, it's ridiculous. The existing uh, services uh, for all addiction here are all Christian-based abstinence approaches, all of them, which we all know lead to death, not recovery. There's like no data to support this, you know, Christian evangelical way of dealing with this. So, you know, unfortunately, after people die, they find out, oh, did you hear about harm reduction? Have you heard about this? Um, you know, destigmatizing the concepts. Like, I mean, I still have friends, even though we've legalized cannabis, who are still like, you know, see that as the, de as the devil's lettuce. Like that's real out here. So of course we don't have proper services. We certainly don't have the right services for a child soldier from the South Sudan. We don't have like anti-racism mental health supports. We don't have, you know, um, Indian residential school uh, houseless supports. 
that should be there. Nothing culturally sensitive, because if you're not white, if you're not Christian, you can't be. Ironically, a lot of the black community is quite Christian because anybody who's ever listened to me knows that all of the immigration organizations are all Christian based. So they bring in a minimum 50% Christians, if not more, into Canada so that they can continue with the Christian colonization of Canada. So a lot of our people who are black, um, brown, they're Christians and proud to be Christians. But yet, amazingly, we don't have proper culturally um, sensitive mental health services or, you know, um, more recovery models as opposed to abstinence models when it comes to addiction. So I don't know how our elected officials sleep at night, but they seem to do just fine. Um, the fellow who asked me to come and speak, his name was uh, Dr. Um, Ewan Thompson, and he uh, tweeted out that it's a war zone. These deaths are violent, political, and profitable. And his message, tell your leaders to end the drug war. So I'm telling you, go write your MLAs, city councillors, MPs, specifically health ministers and their critics. Also, if you're in Alberta, you're fighting the conservative machine. So you have to get involved to make sure we get non-conservatives elected. I can't emphasize how different our worlds are experiencing this pandemic. You know, um, so I had the two GoFundMe's last week, one for a, a anonymous non-white female friend who uh, has severe mental health struggles right now, and one for our two-spirit houseless friend and her dog. <sighs> Good news, she finally got a house. She finally got housed. It was like three months with her family, our family, and agencies to try to get there. It's been a nightmare for this person, and they've gone through so many other personal things. It's not really my story to tell, but I can tell you this much, and it's that as Indigenous people, we are experiencing this pandemic so differently than white Canadians uh, or, you know, privileged colonized POC. Um, so NDP news from the view of this cynical Dene liberal. <laughs> um, I don't have a membership to the NDP because it would be unconstitutional uh, from both the liberal and NDP rulebook. Um, but for average Joe Canadian, they don't even know the different orders of government, let alone their rules for membership, which is a shame as this political system was imposed on my peoples. Anyway, um, I'm obviously behind Marilyn North Pagan 100%, and she's running in Calgary Klein. So, you know, if you believe my words, endorse her, fundraise, donate for her, volunteer for her by getting all of your friends in that constituency to take out memberships and vote for her. The important dates to remember is March 3rd is the candidates forum. March 12th is the NDP membership deadline. And March 26th is the actual nomination vote. So if you don't have your uh, membership before March 12th, you can't vote in the March 26th deadline. So obviously I have folks that I have to follow now and um, so I've been trying to pay attention to the NDP candidates in Calgary East and uh, a friend of mine I was hoping was going to run has chosen not to, which is, uh, it is what it is. It's not easy running and, you know, Canadians don't give a shit about elections, which sucks because it explains the uh, situation we're in where ignorant red or yahoos get to go to friggin Ottawa in trucks and, you know, blue premiers take down 
any half-assed measures we had for this pandemic. So what do I fucking know? Um, anyway, uh, one of the NDP candidates that is on my radar is a Filipino Canadian public teacher named uh, Rosman Valencia, and his pronouns are in his title. Uh, so he uses he and him. Um, I've never seen the NDP actually support people of color. I know they have a committee, but I've never seen them, you know, be active and do things. Um, so anyway, he's actually been actively talking about these police killings of Lashore Tool, and that's really refreshing. I'm sure the white supremacists in the NDP apparatus are totally fucking losing it. So <laughs> that makes me laugh. Um, you know, again, like I watched Rachel Notley scream at Pride, build that pipe, build that pipe, right after the land acknowledgement. So it's literally like cheering on Russia to invade Ukraine for all of those too daft to possibly comprehend indigenous issues but seem to really understand the Ukrainian issue. Um, so for the record, as the Alberta Liberals I ran for, uh, we did campaign on investing in mental health, healthcare, police accountability, long before it was cool. So it's really disappointing to see the NDP now letting at least one candidate get away with talking about these things, but more so the Alberta society being like, oh my God, this is an issue. Maybe we should vote for it, whatever. So if you care about fighting the stupid racist colonial political structure, learn your constituency, learn your candidates, the nomination votes, and get out to vote. Um, more into the wheelhouse of the Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine. Like, don't, don't mix words with that. Like, they are literally a sovereign country getting invaded. Ugh, I feel like I should tell you all of my history, but I don't know if that's necessary i don't know anyway um so when i opened up my social media obviously i was absolutely shocked how many canadians looked at russia negatively considering they don't see how relatable that is here um i support ukraine 100 percent. i support all land defenders obviously but um i i am going to call out the racism in this ridiculousness um while we can before the nukes fly um so folks that i really want to encourage you following on twitter so i guess uh, here's the other thing on social media i'm i normally try to you know retweet things i see on twitter copy them onto facebook and, and instagram so and and even my TikTok. sometimes i try to remember that too but when it comes to this i'm really focused on what's happening um obviously i'm not an expert on ukrainian russian relations i'll I, I will tell you my a little bit of my personal background on that but um you know for me i'm i'm looking to the absolute experts and i'm i'm following what ukraine is putting out um so my activism is based off of you know letting the people speak for themselves so that's why like i would share the south sudanese quotes on my twitter when talking about this issue with mr tool but i um you know, never speak for them. Well, the same thing with Ukraine. Um, Ukraine will speak for themselves just fine. So I'm following their president Zelensky and I'm following their defense ministry. They have a, the vice president is also the ministry for um, digital communication. So these things are of interest to me because this is how they're gonna communicate to us. Um, and, and right now, 
it's really hard to always discern propaganda to truth. So that's why obviously I'm just gonna follow the Ukraine um, Twitter feeds and see what they have to say is the, the number one. But there is a, a person that I wanted to bring attention to and her name is Dr. Kimberly St. Julian Varnon. So on Twitter, she is S-K-V-A-R-N-O-N. -N, so S-K Varnon and she's a PhD from uh, Penn University History Department. She's a race and blackness relations expert in the USSR. <laughs> and uh, she's a writer for the Ukraine Review editor, and she's part of the Swarthmore and Harvard alumni. She speaks Russian, Ukrainian, and German. So this is a person I'm following because she she's uh, very clear about anti-blackness in this conversation, she's the one that's been tweeting out about um, refugees being turned away that are not white, basically. So she's somebody that I'm following and um, a lot of the activists that I've been following on Twitter are rightfully calling out the uh, obvious racism that we're seeing with um, white refugees being let in, but not uh, black ones or people of color. Uh, Roma are another folk another race of people that are being um, discriminated against and have been forever. So it's not okay, but those are the indigenous people there. And as we all know, colonial powers hate indigenous people. So that's where we're at. Um, so I'm following that. Obviously this Zelensky has become a total super bomb. Uh, everybody seems to be really loving him. And well, and to be fair, so uh, New York Times, as I said in the last episode, you know, they totally screwed the pooch when it came to uh, Canada and the convoy. And so it's, I'm having a really hard time with retweeting or liking anything that they have to say. A lot of folks I know like quit their subscriptions. Well, it turns out they did a stupid hit piece on this guy and said, well, he's not up to the task for uh, leadership because, you know, he was a, uh, he, he was legitimately a comedian. Um, so he's 44, I'm 45. So anyway, we would have grown up when the USSR broke, broke apart. I was in grade eight. So he would have been grade seven or something when the USSR broke apart. And, uh, and he's the, the grandson of Jewish, like, how does this go? So there was, there was four brothers, three of them were killed at the Holocaust. And the one that didn't, this is, that's his great grandfather. So like, this is legitimately this grandson of Holocaust survivors. And, uh, you know, now he's, he, he won a presidency with an incredibly uh, uh, majority vote. And um, because his past life was, he was a comic, like he was, he was a comedian telling jokes. Apparently he played the piano with his privates for five minutes conspiracy theorists are just taking this and going crazy with it they're they're doing the whole you know trump supports putin and this is their conspiracy theory which i do not agree with in any capacity but they actually think that somehow this war is stopping human trafficking you have to be really down that hole in order to possibly understand this and i don't recommend in any con like i don't want anybody to look into that further um but unfortunately being in alberta these are my my neighbors and even some of my friends family members who 
believe in these outlandish conspiracies and, um, you know, and rooted in white supremacy, all of them. Anyway, Ukrainians are a big part of my life. Um, you know, every world war had massive settlements of Ukrainians into Western Canada at the time that uh, Canada was nation building. So uh, under the War Measures Act in the Great War, thousands of Ukrainians were interned actually at government camps. Um, in the 1920s, they opened up immigration. Uh, the Second World War brought in tons of Ukrainians. So on my dad's side, um, he was from Yorkton, Saskatchewan, and my grandparents lived there and had a little cabin at uh, Good Spirit Lake in Kenora. So, uh, oh, so many people were Ukrainian, and you know, although I'm not proud to say this, a lot of folks were referred to as Ukes. Um, but you know, that racism, that white supremacy, uh, this is what the racist conservatives took down former Premier Ed Stelmack with, because he was Ukrainian. So, in other words, he just wasn't the type the right type of white <laughs> so they took him down and i like this is the type of racism i talk about here in alberta that folks not from here can possibly comprehend it's awful it's mean anyway um i grew up with lots of people of ukrainian descent um you know i've enjoyed every type of pierogi and sausage um I remember in Fort McMurray, my grade two teacher, Mrs. Powell had, uh, you know, taught us how to take a pin on the egg and empty it and make scrambled eggs and then um, start the dyeing and such in order to make these beautiful, anybody who's ever seen the designs of Ukrainian eggs, it's the most beautiful thing. Um, anyway, we have Vigorville, Alberta has this like the biggest Ukrainian egg ever. Um, I think it's the largest one in the world because we have a huge population of Ukrainians in Western Canada. Um, I also seen uh, a lot of folks around me talk about uh, who, who are, like I, I didn't walk the red road until my thirties. And when I, I did, you know, I, I was still learning and I had a friend uh, tell us, cause my daughter wears scarves on her head all the time. Uh, this friend told me that when our, our headdresses and our eagle feathers were really outlawed that actually that's why we started wearing cooking scarves was to hide our um you know our our stuff and i i don't know much about that teaching but i've always appreciated that teaching and i'm always looking for more on that and um anyway that's part of the reason why i have a red scarf behind me my, one of the cooking scarves because uh you know i i wear them i i wear orange ones when you know, more focused on Indian residential schools. I wear the red ones when more focused on missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two spirit. My daughter loves the blue ones. Um, I should just make outfits that match, but I'm getting off the track here. Um, anyway, Treaty Six, uh, Chief Morin put out a beautiful statement about support with Ukrainians because Ukrainians have been such a huge part of the fabric of Indigenous and Western Canada since uh contact of of colonial canada and um you know i i harbor no bad feelings for uh ukrainian although there are ties to white supremacy apparently in their army but there is an ours too so anyway getting off track so i obviously i haven't seen anybody speak out that they're on russian side other than some folks that are really down the rabbit hole of conspiracy um so these would be anti-investors or anti-mandate anti, anti, -investors or anti, anti -mandate 
uh, folks, yellow vesters. Um, these are folks that are really down the conspiracy world that are plenty here in Alberta. And I'm sure we'll see Paul Brandt and all sorts of folks tweeting out about it. It's ridiculous. Um, but we, I have been seeing um, anonymous claiming that they're trying to take down systems in um, Russia and such, but I, I don't know if I believe it in any capacity because they just seem like a bunch of kids trying to pretend to do good when they've had the opportunity to do good in so many ways and have chosen not to. So I just don't know what to expect there, but what I do know is that meddling with somebody with nuclear, nuclear capabilities is not as smart move in any capacity. So I just would never promote that. Um, our uh, deputy prime minister, Christiana Freeland, she's from Alberta and she's of the elite that were able to go to uh, Harvard. Anyway, she has a really interesting story to tell about what it was like in uh, when she was 20 and she went to Harvard and she went to Ukraine and uh, the KGB were like trying to intimidate her and all sorts of stuff. So it's hard because right now you're in the middle of war propaganda now. So you're going to hear like that dichotomy of only good and only bad. And, and, and that's a hard conversation because why is Putin, you know, choosing to go after Ukraine? And everyone's going to say, because he's a madman, which is true. But, you know, there is history there with NATO and there's a history there with trying to deal with a Russian superpower now that they're, it's been 30 years of so-called, you know, change from the USSR um, and the Ukrainians, they've had 30 years of not being under Russian rule, but as a sovereign nation, as the, as Ukraine, uh, that's terminology. I'm trying to lose the Ukraine to Ukraine, um, trying to lose that. Anyway, my heart is with them. It, anyone who's been kind of paying attention to the live feeds, you know, watching, watching kids being dis displaced, they're having to be refugees and forced to flee with their moms while the um, dads are conscripted. Now, some are willing, don't get me wrong, but they just conscript conscripted, I think it was 16 to 65, you know, giving them all a gun and telling them it's martial law now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the civilians being slightly trained with the Ukraine military, which is vast, by the way, like it has tanks, everything, uh, but just, you know, the Russians have nukes and I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, for folks who don't know, I found this out, I don't know, five years ago, maybe uh, a while ago. Anyway, Satu Deni were at the Ukrainian city area. There was uh, that material being taken out. They were unaware of the Manhattan Project and the what nuclear capabilities were and when the deaths of all of those Vietnamese happened with Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That was something that um, the Dene uh, elders went to Japan and apologized. And so I've taken that teaching very much to heart and I think it's inappropriate for us to use nuclear power or nuclear weapons um, because you, you can't, we can't keep treaty with each other. We can't keep treaty with the animals, can't keep treaty with nature. 
Um, and when I say we, I mean more so the colonial Canadians, just no concept of any of this. They are way in Yahoo economics, caring about their bottom line, to care about, you know, natural law, people, all of that. Um, so I'm obviously against nuclear war. I asked folks a few episodes to start following uh, some of the nuclear um, weapon disarmament uh, sites that I work with and um, you know I'm seeing their pop-ups coming up and um, right now right this exact moment I believe Belarus paratroopers are going into Ukraine and um, people are I, there was already a kindergarten that was hit a Ukrainian kindergarten that was hit and children civilians are dead and I don't know, my heart is with them right now. And I I know that Christiana Freeland was meant for this moment to be in this position. I know the KGB hater, or I don't know if they're the KGB anymore, but anyway. So I'm just going to try to promote what I think people want to know. So for example, uh, there's an English bank page from the Ukraine shared that for Ukrainians, because we have tons here that like want to willingly be a part of the foreign military. I retweeted that, um, you know, and I'm not a supporter of war and the military, but I just know this is what people are interested in doing. And I'm worried. I have a friend from Red Deer. She's deployed. Um, she's a commander of a, of a ship that was supposed to go to um, the Arctic. And I don't know if she did. I don't know if they're going to change directions now. And I have a friend serving in the Squimalt and I'm worried when he's going to get deployed. So, and then our friends and neighbors, of course, will join this war. And you're not going to believe this, but Fox News is had this person spouting off that Canada needs liberation. So, I don't know if you're going to have like some yahoos from the states start some sort of civil war believing hillary's emails and pizzagate are a real thing and that i don't know what i don't even know understand that conspiracy theory stuff even though i used to be a part of the 9-11 truth movement like once upon a time they were the only places that were like you know legitimately talking about building three or Indian residential schools so you know and then the, that shift happened where everything went haywire so anyway 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 I'm getting way off topic and I appreciate you all listening to my rem ramblings sometimes I don't know why anybody listens to me but I appreciate it I appreciate all the support that you've given me up to this moment um you know I've been getting really good feedback on the last episode specifically so if you hear something that you would like me to add, I would love to add it here. Um, yeah, I don't know. Really appreciate that. Just want to give a shout out to that uh, last comic standing on Prime. It's so ridiculous watching Tom Grease and talk about delicious cheese sandwiches. And May did get kicked out, and uh, she was the one supporting Indian residential school survivors. So that was sad, but love her to pieces and. If you watched Kim Convenience, this last episode, oh my God, I don't want to give it away, but you have to watch it. My God, 
Anyway, I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions, cultural training, first aid for all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities, and LGBTQ2 to speak. Uh, thank you to authors Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, Alicia Fridkin for creating uh, What is Indigenous Cultural Safety and Why Should I Care About It? that you can find at here2help.bc.ca. Uh, their work are cultural action tools. Said it so many times in my podcast. Please support that work. And as of today, there's tons of ways for you to become an ally to Indigenous people if you were to just Google it. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat it here. Internalized racism and lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized folks experience. Um, yeah, I had this uh, awful thing happen on the C train where uh, one of our Indigenous brothers who was houseless looked at me and gave me the, you know, neck cross and I was wearing Marilyn's mask and, you know, visibly Indigenous woman. So I was really heartbroken that he did that. But the shitty part was and the Calgary police were like, we gave you a warning and we watched you do that to her. And I'm like, holy fuck, but I can't say anything or do anything because they have guns and they just recently killed a black guy and I didn't want them killing him. And like, he had like a scar on his head and I, I just felt so shitty. Anyway, that's internalized and lateral violence because obviously he felt very comfortable telling me that he was gonna kill me. Why? Because I'm an indigenous woman. He's used to saying that. Why? Because he was taught all of this racism because it was imposed on us. And that's the shitty thing about internalized racism and lateral violence and my heart my, I've been actually praying for him and praying for him because I know he's houseless and I know he has injuries and head trauma and I know he doesn't have proper cultural supports because in Calgary, very clearly, all our elected officials and voters want us all dead. So yay, our team. RacialEquityTools.org has lots of resources on internalized racism by Donna Bevins. Uh, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention. Uh, yeah, I'm beginning to wonder why I share this because even I don't feel empowered to do it when I'm around police and, uh, and a society that doesn't care. Anyway, if you see or experience racism, report it to actandracism.ca. If you text at 587-507-3838, it actually brings up that website. Indigenous have been talking about these issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. <laughs> I feel wild saying this because it's so clear that um, the only treaties that Canadians like are ones made by white people for white people, not Indigenous people. But if you did care, I wish you would honor the treaties you made with us. Anyway, listen to politicians and their policies and platforms if they don't recognize marginalized people in their budget with gender equity plus gay straight alliances, um, violence prevention programs, services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, uh, human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities. Know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people, which I know all you UCP, all UCP voters are darn happy with right now because that's not anything in Alberta's budget coming up. Yay, your team. I don't know how you sleep at night knowing you play with people's lives this way. 
demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, now 231 posts of justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls and Two-Spirit, denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the health, educational, and justice systems with multiple reports that say the same things. By the way, if you've seen uh, Dr. James Makokas um, tweeted out about Dr. Lana Potts, one of our Indigenous doctors who's a leader, both of them are Indigenous doctors who are leaders, both of them advocating at the national scale for us to have um, you know, health services that we have. Lana Potts was turned away from one of our Calgary restaurants because she's a visibly Native woman. So here's a doctor, lots of money, but we can't be a part of the economy because of racism. And I'm, I'm so dismayed. Everybody seems okay with it. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. You can clearly see this Zelensky fellow, although he was put down by the New York Times just recently, you know, he stepped up and now the entire world thinks he's like Captain America, but he's like Captain Ukraine. So like you can see change from politicians, but if they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running, should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. A great article I said out loud was truth before truth, how non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. There's so many articles now, and this is just one of them that I think was fabulous. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also go onto their website at hopeforwellness.ca, and they have a conversation um, option there. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. For non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area with a functioning 211, or you can call 833-456-4566. The 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta is SSISA.ca. Um, the Trans Life Lifeline in Canada has some information. Uh, they have a number of 877-330-6366. The Trevor Project has tons of resources for LGBTQ2+, their youth, peer support. Um, you can call them at 1-800-268-9688. Or you can text at 647-694-4275. Kids Help Phone, 1-800-668-6868. Go to lifevoice.ca. There's tons of LGBTQ2 plus crisis supports. Uh, violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started a podcast to speak freely without interruption, without tone police. Leadership shaming, gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, they sure want to tell us theirs. And these are people who know nothing about colonialism, the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights, microaggressions, 
people dealing with internalized racism, people who are gatekeepers, survival status quo, folks who are deep in their trauma. You know, these are the people I'm talking about every day. And this internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. And that's why I have this podcast. So I want to say thank you to my granny, my mom, what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and stepping up and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. Just through her, I'm a second generation proud Calgarian, but I highly recommend if you are a native Calgarian, you don't say that unless you are a legitimate native. It's kind of racist. It's the whole point of having my podcast named that was to point out everyday racism that average Canadians don't recognize. I want to say happy birthday to my husband, Darcy. Uh, thank you for producing and editing this show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism uh, to our child. We are blessed to learn from daily. We are honored you chose us. Give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. And I hope my daughter and my family will be proud of us trying to discuss these present-day issues. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Uh, you can also do e-transfers there. You can send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe at nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts. And I want to end with that side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish. My beautiful cousin responded, or you'd be in my dish. <laughs> Thanks for listening and uh, thoughts and prayers, obviously, to all of those impacted by what could end up being a nuclear holocaust. Let's hope I'm wrong. And uh, push your leaders to be better leaders. I will, anyone is capable of being a Zelensky, especially on truth and reconciliation, sovereignty issues so much, but you know, it's really up to the mass media, um, the mass masses in general. And right now we've seen that they're quite content and happy with mask, half-ass measured, you know, mandates being lifted and more so i'll go from there and leave it from there have a great week